All right, once again, I want to welcome everyone who is worshiping with us online. Like I said earlier, there may be some of you who this is your first time to be here, and we're so thankful that you plugged in with us here at Acton Methodist Church this morning. I, I want to share with you that online right now on Facebook and other means and on our website, we're sharing small group questions that go along with the sermon today. And so we want to make sure that you have access to those and use them as an instrument to dive deeper into what we're talking about today, but then also use as an instrument to connect with other people and to check in with them and to have holy conversations with people. In, in, in what's going on right now in the state of the world, these conversations may be over phone or over video chat. That's okay. You can share a common experience of the sermon and then go deeper with it as to what Christ is calling you to do, while at the same time checking in on each other's well-being. And so we want you to make sure that you are aware of that, and that's available to you. We want worship to not end today. We want there to be a lifestyle of worship for all of us on that. We also want to encourage you that if you're with us on Facebook in particular, would you let us know that you're, who, you, who you are and where you are worshiping with us from? Uh, earlier, we had one of the people from the uh, earlier worship service were in, I think, northern Wisconsin. So they do have internet in northern Wisconsin, and they were worshiping with us then, and we're so thankful for that. We also had some folks from Georgetown and obviously some folks in Granbury as well. But if you would let us know who you are, we'd love to celebrate with you. You can also, on Facebook, encourage others who are worshiping online. Even if they never respond back, uh, that's a great way for people to kind of check out what's going on. So why don't you be an encourager and let them know that you're glad that they are online with you as well. So this week's been a pretty crazy week. It's been a crazy week for all of us in different ways. Uh, for me, I really began to sense that something was going on during the last Mavericks game, Dallas Mavericks game that was being played. One of the ways I wind down is by watching the Dallas Mavericks play. I'm not really interested in any other part of the NBA, but the Dallas Mavericks are my team. And as I was watching the game this week, uh, the news started rolling out that after that game, the NBA was canceling or suspending the rest of the season for, or for the next month or so. And my first reaction is, well, what am I going to do to wind down now? Because that's one of the things I love doing is winding down and watching the Mavs play. So my first response is, well, how is this negatively impacting me and what's in it for me? And, but then I began to understand through the news and other organizations that things were moving at a pretty rapid pace. And what we may have thought was going on on the morning one day would change by the afternoon that same day. And, and so I began to understand that, that there's more than just my entertainment that was being affected. It was actually a, a lot of people's lives were being impacted because of the preventative nature of decisions that were being made. But then I began to realize that there's really more than just surface level stuff. There's also personal stuff. I, I've got a, a family member that their immune system is, is compromised. So these preventative measures to me started really making a lot more sense because I, I don't want my family member to get compromised if their system is weakened just a little bit by something that's floating out there. So that began to make a lot more sense. And, and as, as different organizations and systems were closing down, I began to have a little bit more empathy, especially for the leadership that was involved because those are tough decisions. To make decisions that disrupt the status quo, that disrupt normalcy is really tough to do. But when that happens, when you, when you factor in those closings, when you're disrupting normal, but then you also have a virus that no one really knows about, and we haven't really seen the, the big uptick on cases here in the United States yet. And then you factor that up with the stock market, and then you factor that up with personal health, and then you factor that up with just a disruption of normal. So you, what are we supposed to do with that? 
And that's why I want to visit with you today about a life in Christ in the middle of chaos. I think it's going to be a good word for, for you. Uh, it was a good word for me to kind of dive deep into it again. And I pray that whoever is watching today will, will experience the love and grace and power of Jesus Christ. And so I want to pray for you, but maybe while I'm praying for you, you can pray for me, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to God. And that what is said is exactly what needs to be said, not just what I want to say. So I'm going to pray for you, and maybe during that time you can pray for me as well. So wherever you are, would you mind bowing your heads? Lord Jesus, we thank you, and we need you, and we want you, and we welcome you wherever we are, whatever we are thinking, whatever anxiety we are under, whatever we are ignorant of, Lord, just meet us and lead us, love us, transform us, stir us, and may your kingdom come, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I've got two things I think today that are really important that I want you to, to keep in mind. So if you have something to write with, you want to type at your computer, whatever will help you remember this, because uncertainty is just going to keep on happening out there as things continue to roll out. So how can you have a life of Christ in the midst of this chaos that still hasn't stopped yet? The first thing I want you to remember is this, is that the good news of Jesus Christ is more powerful than fear. The good news of Jesus Christ is more powerful than fear. So for example, in John chapter 14, that's John, the gospel of John, uh, what Jesus is saying to his disciples is this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So he starts off talking to these disciples and says, and says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. This is actually a passage of scripture that is shared at most funerals. Sometimes these are the opening words for the, for the grieves that are gathered in that spot, that, that while their world may have been turned upside down, that we can still focus on the good news that Jesus comes to his disciples back then and today and says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Although we're, we're not in a funeral state, some of us are grieving and our hearts are troubled. Our lives have been disrupted. We, we keep on looking at what's happening with the stock market, and as the stock market goes, our emotions go. Uh, some of us are looking at what we can't control with the coronavirus, and, and we're getting really anxiety-filled. And, and we also have personal stuff, and, and still the word of Jesus that is said for people who are grieving is also said to us who are grieving change who are grieving uncertainty, who are grieving chaos, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. That's a good word for them, and it's a good word for us. So, so let me ask you, what is it that's troubling you? What is it that's getting your attention? What is it that you keep on focusing on that may be justified, but you keep on focusing on that doesn't bring you peace, but brings you heartache? Jesus is the antidote to that. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He also goes on to say a little bit later in chapter 16, he's talking to his disciples again, and he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so he's talking to his disciples, and he was saying, look, there's, there's things in this world that are always going to cause you anxiety. 
There, there's always things in this world that are going to take your attention off of what the main thing is. There's always going to be those things that give you uncertainty. But Jesus comes back then, like he's saying now, he says, I've come to overcome the world. And so he's saying that to you, friends, wherever you are and whatever you're anxious about, he's, he's coming to you. My, my daughter, my oldest daughter, uh, she's uh, a teacher in Midland, and she was with us this last week. And she was kept on waiting for Midland ISD to put out what it was that they were doing this next week, because GISD, Granbury ISD, made notice that they were closing classes uh, this week. And so she kept on waiting for Midland ISD, and the word never came, and the word never came, so she decided that she needed to go to Midland. And so we said, look, as soon as you get to Midland, you're going to hear a word that they canceled classes. And she goes, yeah, but I've got to go anyway. So she, she drove because she wasn't sure about what the future was going to hold over the next two weeks. But she went in faith knowing this is what she's got to do. She still has a responsibility. So she's got to keep some sense of normalcy even when she's waiting on things. And sure enough, when she got to Midland, Midland had canceled classes for the next two weeks. The reason I bring up that story is because there's some things that we have control over and some things we don't. But our faith gives us that peace that surpasses all understanding. The words of Jesus, don't let your hearts be troubled. Hannah wasn't really troubled. She was inconvenienced a little bit. But she knew she had a job to do, and she did what she knew she had control over. And maybe that's a word for us as well. And then there's also this understanding that the good news of Jesus Christ is more powerful than fear. When you actually look at the resurrection story, every Sunday is a little Easter in the life of the Christian church. So when we gather, we gather as people of hope. And, and I'm so thankful that President Trump declared that this day is a national day of prayer. Uh, and I'm so thankful for that because every Sunday is a Sunday day of prayer. And, and every day is meant to be that way as well. So we get to continue to build on that. But we are people of hope. And that comes not just from our own desires, but really what Christ has shown us through people who are troubled in spirit. In John chapter 20, we, we hear the story about Mary who's going to the empty tomb. Jesus had just been crucified and he'd been laid in the tomb. And if there was ever any cause for anxiety and trouble, this was it. If you ever want to hear what a definition of chaos is, this is it. Everything that they had put their hopes in, the disciples, now was gone. So we pick up the story. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? Now, I think that's really, really important because the angels came to Mary, not because she had her stuff squared away, but they came to Mary in the midst of her troubled spirit. They came to Mary in the midst of her crying. They came to her in the midst of her grief. They came to her in the midst of the uncertainty. That might be a good word for some of us. Jesus being present isn't based on our performance. It's based on his faithfulness. And the angels of the Lord came to Mary and, and said, why, why are you crying? And Mary's response is because she was so focused on what was exactly in front of her, what she thought was in front of her. She said, they have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they have put them or where they have put him. For some of us, we are uncertain about what our financial state is going to be in two weeks. Some of us are uncertain of whether we are going to be susceptible to coronavirus. There's a lot of uncertainty. And when we're going through times of change, we can focus so much on the uncertainty that we lose sight of the one who comes and says, don't let your hearts be troubled. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, 
but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And, and, I, and I ask you, because each of us are going to do this a little differently, what is it that you were so consumed by? Chaos, uncertainty, fear. Some of us justified and some of us not. But what is it that you're so focused on that you're unable to see Jesus in your midst? Our, our job is to have a life in Christ in the middle of the chaos, not in spite of it. And Mary's a great example. She was so in the middle of her grief and in her trouble that she couldn't see Jesus in her midst. And so Jesus, even though she didn't realize it was Jesus, asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you were looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, sometimes we get Jesus mixed up with someone else. She said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And I love this last part. Jesus said to her, Mary. A life in Christ in the middle of chaos and understanding that the good news of Jesus Christ is more powerful than fear is that promise that from day one of the resurrection, Jesus continues to call us by name. And I want you to think about how powerful that is. Uh, a few years ago when Jacob, who's now 20, was about seven, eight, or nine, we took him to Fiesta, Texas, uh, with Hannah, our oldest daughter. And as we were going through the crowd, Michelle and I were with them. We were with Hannah. But somehow Jacob got separated. There were about two rows of people in front of us. We could see him, but he couldn't see us. And so he looked around. He didn't see us. And he started getting really anxious. He started crying. He, he started yelling. And, and Jacob, at that point, he, he didn't do that. So we knew that he was really, really concerned. But then here's what Michelle and I did. We called him by name. And when we called him by name, he turned around to the sound of our voice and he saw our faces and it immediately gave him peace. Now, we hugged him, we comforted him, we told him he was going to be okay, and he calmed down. But I think that analogy of being in Fiesta, Texas with our seven, eight, or nine-year-old who immediately found comfort when we called him by name is not unlike Mary when she heard her name called by Jesus. And for you, with whatever you're dealing with, family-wise, personal wise that may not have anything to do with coronavirus or the stock market. In the middle of that, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, whose power is greater than any fear, calls you by name. He calls you by name. He calls you by name. Second thing I, I want to invite you to, to remember is this, is that we, we live victoriously for others. This life that we live as Christians, like I said, we, we celebrate Easter every Sunday. We live victoriously. We are victorious people, not because of who we are, but because Christ has conquered the fear of, of, of death and the, and the fear of shame uh, in his resurrection. And the early church knew this as well. In fact, Paul was writing to the Christians in a place called Philippi, and he said this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. At wherever you are, I think it'd be great for you just to utter the word humility. Uh, humility is not something that we really hold in high regard, but, but the early Christian church understood that humility was a commodity to search after. In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And then he finishes this. In your relationship with one another, 
have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. The Christ who rose from the dead first had to humble himself and take on the form of humanity so that he might identify with us so that we could identify with him. So to take on humility and to think of others more than you think of yourself. I want to draw your attention down here to, to this altar. And the reason for that is because I want you to look at this, these items right here. Uh, you, you all may have participated, or at least you've heard in the news, that, that toilet paper, speaking of commodities, is a huge commodity. That you go into Walmart or you go into H-E-B or some other grocery store, and toilet paper these days is like gold. You, know, it's, you want to trade for it and get other things. But one of the things we've been doing as a church over the last two weeks is we've been trying to collect items for a community of folks over in Carter Court, which is in the Granbury area. These are folks who, who, for whatever reason, they may have different means and abilities than we do to be able to just take care of basic necessities. And that's all well and good when everything is going great, but since we started collecting these items, the coronavirus has kicked in. Since we've collected these items, the stock market has gone up and down. There's a lot of chaos now. So collecting these bags now in the middle of the chaos is actually more faithful than trying to collect them when everything's going great. So when we humble ourselves to take on the, the mindset of Jesus, who was a servant also, I, I want to encourage you to live victoriously for others, not just for yourself, but for others. So, so now, maybe more than ever, you think of those that are the most vulnerable, and because they are the most vulnerable, you reach out to them in tangible ways. Uh, not just when things are going great, but now in the middle of it. Human tendency is, is to, to isolate ourselves and then hoard things because we never know what's going to happen. A life in Christ in the middle of the chaos says you don't hoard things for your safety. As you get, you live victoriously and give those things to others. You pour into other people. So, so you, with where you are, with what it is that you're going through, Who's that one person that you can pour into in tangible ways? In other words, how can you be a means of grace to someone who's the most vulnerable? For some of you, that means that you're, you're going to pick up the phone after this, this sermon or after this worship service, and whoever that person that God's placing on your mind right now, you're going to give them a call or a video chat, and you're going to check in on them. Maybe you want to talk about the sermon. Maybe they watched it too, but maybe you just want to check in on their general well-being. That's a means of grace. You are living victoriously for others. When everything else in our culture is saying to, be, to have social distance, as Christians, you're understanding that we don't, we're not satisfied with social distance. We want to take this opportunity to actually connect more with people when everyone else is saying stay away. So who is it that you can call to check in on? Who is it that you can walk over down the street to check on who may not have anyone else? Who everyone else may think is a jerk, but you're walking down to see how they're doing because you are the face of Christ. Who is the person that you can live victoriously for? Not just for yourself, but for the sake of others and to the glory of God. See, the Lord Jesus Christ is greater than any fear that we have. And if we know that Jesus is greater than any fear that we have, and we can have a life in Christ in the middle of the chaos, then we can live victoriously for other people. That's the sign of what strong faith is all about. It's not more assurance and it's not more knowledge in your head. It's how are you taking that assurance and that knowledge and living it out as disciples? Friends, this is the time to do that. It's not the time to shrink away. It's actually to step out and live victoriously for others because in that, people may begin to see Christ for the first time really clearly because of what you do through faith.